Hello and welcome to Dropping Good Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And uh, we've been all the way to Nottingham today to see Journeyman. Journeyman. Yes. Journeyman. Journeyman. Yes. Journeyman. New film from Paddy Considine, written and directed by him. Uh, from my understanding, it's supposed to have a general release in the UK on March 30th, which is a, about a week ago. Uh-huh. Um, and I didn't see it anywhere in Birmingham. It was recommended to me by uh, one of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob um, and so I went looking for it the closest closest place was Nottingham apparently someone else has said that uh, it will be showing at the electric cinema at the end of this month I think right okay um, but anyway we buggered off to Nottingham because I just didn't want to miss it yeah and I want to say a word about uh, the Broadway cinema and you know just say what a pleasure it was to visit there uh, it's a fantastic social space it's got it's got a bar. It's got a library. You can see how it's embedded in film history. They've got posters of film appreciation classes from the nineteen sixties. You know, seasons on Judy Garland, signed photographs of you know Shirley MacLaine and everybody really. It's also connected to education, to film appreciation. They have a library. You know. Uh, um, they can project all kinds of things. I also noticed that there were elderly ladies you know, who uh, were at the cinema and there's a lift for them to get them in and out. So, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, accessible uh, to all kinds of people. Uh, and also it's embedded in the community. I noticed that the cinema that we saw uh, um, uh, Journeyman in was the Paul Smith Cinema, the, after, named after the, the, the Nottingham designer, I believe. So um, it was... It, 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 it was just a very, very pleasant environment to, to, to be in, very welcoming. You know, the usher was wearing a 120 beats per minute T-shirt. And, you know, I said, oh, I want one. And, you know, she said, well, kind of ask uh, at the box office. And I was too shy to do so. Um, but oh, sweet daft. Well, I was too shy to do so. But, uh, but I was very happy to see a kind of dialogue on cinema. They actually have, you know, one of those boards where people can post comments on, you know, what they, their feelings about what they'd seen. And you can see it. So it's, it's kind of, you know, uh, it's, it's enmeshed in the cinematic culture of the place. It's clear that the intent is to disseminate a cinematic culture and to make people feel kind of welcome and in dialogue in doing so. And I was very, very impressed with the space. I'm just tweeting at the Broadway Cinema to ask him for a T-shirt. Oh. <laughs> Give us a second. My friend wants one of your... <clears throat> Uh, 120 beats per minute shirt t-shirts extra large (laughs) t-shirt but was too much of a chicken Mm -hmm. to ask well that is the truth so any chance he could have one I'm happy to buy it please uh he says he will pay money, so you should ask for some. <laughs> <laughs> okay, come on, let's get back on topic. Right, um, the film is about, here's an, the non-spoiler version of the film, the premise of the film is Paddy Considine is a world champion boxer. He's won, he's won this title by uh, default because... The box he was supposed to be facing 
uh, pulled out mm. because of an injury. So the title has gone to him. He kind of has to prove that he's actually worth it. Mm. So he takes on this fight with uh, a much younger guy, a kind of live wire upstart sort of guy. He was very aggressive in the mm. in the uh, press conference. After the fight, he goes home and just sort of collapses. He has some sort of brain event. Mm. Loses a lot of memory, loses a lot of brain function. You don't you don't know what the uh, details of the injury are. It's just some traumatic brain injury. But you see this big scar on his head where an operation's been done. And from then on, he's he's slightly lobotomized, and he has to relearn mm. um, how to how to how to walk and talk and and all these relationships with people. He kind of turns into uh, a a bit of a toddler. Mm. Um, I don't think that's being cruel I think actually the film suggests it because he has a young he has a baby mm. and I think it, it uh, the toll that it takes on his wife it becomes instead of a, a lover she now has two kids to deal mm. with in a way I think the film is suggesting that yes um, so the film then is about how his relationships fare uh, you know how they kind of break down and rebuilt um, and how he rebuilds his life yes spoilers here on yeah um it's a film about a boxer, and I'm very interested in boxing films because I think, you know, as a genre, they're, they're really about what it is to be a man and how to be a man and, you know, kind of the problems with being a man whilst trying to achieve the American dream or, you know, success. And it's always kind of filled in with considerations of race and class and gender. You know, so I find it's a very, very rich terrain right in which to to work uh um this film is not doesn't kind of follow the genre formula so to speak right so it actually kind of you know begins at the beginning he's very successful already he's got this beautiful house or you know what passes for a beautiful house the kind of of house that you see in like you know that program where they go show you footballers' apartments, right? It's kind of... Cribs. Thing. Yeah. It's a nice place. I mean, he's done well for himself. Yeah, it's a nice place, but it kind of shows that it's new. It's not quite lived in. Yeah, it's empty of furniture, you know. So the mm. key thing, re- yeah, it's sparsely furnished. It's a recent kind of purchase. Yeah, right? I mean, I guess he's recently become world champion, and that's his, his financial status has recently been elevated. That's right. So the film kind of begins by showing this... And by showing, you know, he's, he's a very loving husband and father, you know, and then he's got the fight. Uh, and actually, the aneurysm or whatever it is only happens to him once he arrives home. Uh, uh, and um, then his friends drop him, really, or, uh, or you get the feeling that his friends have dropped him. They're uh, very uncomfortable around him. They're very uncomfortable around him. Uh, so, so, and then really the majority of the film is about him finding what he values most in life, which is really his wife and his daughter. That's really kind of, I would say, the, the narrative of the last half of the film, would you say? Um, I think it's the narrative of the entire film. This is actually something that, uh, before I figured out this was going to be the whole film, it annoyed me at the start. Um, up, until, up until the fight, um, he's a very, very one-note character. It's all about his family. He's constantly yeah. looking at these photos of his wife and his child, mm. and he's thought he's you know he loves them and he's kissing them, and a lot of care is taken to make sure that you know that he's devoted to his wife and his child. To, to actually the, the detriment of other things, I one of the problems I have with the film is I don't believe him as a world class boxer. Well, exactly. I mean, I have many problems with the film, so I, I I think the film is interesting to me because on the one hand, I think it's not a very good film. 
On the other hand, I found it deeply touching, right? So there were moments in it that really moved me, you know. And the things that I found problems with are, first of all, you can't believe him as a boxer. He, you know, as fit as Paddy Considine is for a man his age, he's got nowhere near the type of body that a boxer has. Well, what right? I'm getting at is is with, when it comes related to the family, because obviously... Uh, this is not to say that boxers are not devoted to their families. Yes. Of course they are. But um, it, it, he is sort of such a softy, really, um, that that's, that element of his character, that in, in his private life he is uh, emotional and devoted, mm. it kind of spills over to his professional life. So, so particularly I'm thinking of the press conference where uh, the, the young lad's trying to spar with him. And obviously he's the kind of elder statesman and it's probably going to be his last fight. And, he's, mm. and, and there's this thing about how his dad has passed away. His dad was a, uh, a bit of a figure in boxing. So mm. everyone's kind of uh, aware of that. Um, and he, he gives him a sort of, you know, a bit of a, a tribute and says, you know, I, I'm glad he got to see various mm. things in my life. But, but, it, but he is not playing the part. And you think, mm. like, do you not know what the game you're in is, right? So it's... Um, so yeah, he's kind of too polite and too genteel and too too charming, right? And and just he's not he playing have, the game of boxing. He has no killer instinct that you see at that point, right? Yeah. And so I don't believe him as a as a as a, as a winner for that reason. Yeah. I think he could easily be a failed fighter who didn't have what it took. <laughs> Though I think it's interesting because later on in the film, those that comes out. His work ethic does, for sure, is willingness to fight, because what he talks about in that press conference is, my dad's no longer here, but I have a new baby, I've got someone new to protect in my life. Mm. And and so you get, there's this idea that his fighting is for his family, to an extent, and then later on in the film, when uh, his wife leaves, because she will get on to it, she can't take it, um, and, and she takes the daughter with her, mm. then he's fighting for his family in a very different way. He's fighting to regain what he can of his previous self so that she returns and his family will be reunited. Yes. So ultimately the family stuff at the start uh, did make sense because that was what the entire thrust of the film was. But yes. right at the start it was very, very one note. Well, the thing about it is that it kind of... I, I saw it as a television movie in a way, right? So it kind of makes sense structurally in terms of dialogue and you could see how kind of like... You know, the images are nothing to speak of, really. The film feels thin, thin, thin visually, right? And what carries it is really the dialogue and uh, the, the performances. And I think it does carry it. I did, find, I did find it deeply affecting. But until you get into the groove of it, you think, oh, my God, this is lacking. Kind of, you know, what are we looking at? There's nothing to look at, right? Like, you know, the, um, and, and you end up paying too much attention to things that should be more unconsciously absorbed. I, you know, you notice what he does, the gestures that he makes with his fingers. You notice his walk and, you know, how he's doing it and how his walk changes, like, through the course of the film. And really, it's you're doing that because really there's nothing else to look at in the film. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, his performance is kind of mannered, but I think it's very, very good. I think it's well observed. And the fact that it changes throughout the film and you can notice it, I think is a good thing. You see his improvement in his ability to control his, his motor function and that mm. sort of thing, and, and the way his kind of his his physical tics mm. change and, and and lessen. I think is really good performance, 
It is, but, I agree. But the fact that there is that is the centrepiece means you are picking up on it sort of so much that actually it becomes almost a distraction of itself. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it's actually, it's interesting because, you, you know, after we saw the film, I, I looked him up on Wikipedia uh, uh, just to remind myself. And actually, I have seen him in a lot more things than I thought I had. Yeah. Right. Including on stage in The Journeyman. Sorry, The, the Ferryman is what okay. I meant. But one of the things that I mentioned is that he's got some kind of optical disorder. Okay. Right. That, uh, uh, you know, that he cures through a kind of a colored lens. Uh, and I just thought, well, you know, how interesting. I wonder if that affects if that affects the filmmaking, because, you know, I was kind of stunned by how lacking the film was visually. So, you know, when you think of boxing films, you think of very spectacular images, glistening bodies. I mean, think of what Scorsese does with Robert De Niro, you know, in all of those fights in Raging Bull, right? Or Body and Soul, or the uh, Robert Wise one, what is the setup, right? Like, they're kind of, you know, magnificent visually, and the genre lends itself to, to do such kind of interesting and complex and, you know, striking things visually. And there's none of that here, absolutely none, right? Ireland syndrome, a condition in which the brain cannot adequately process visual stimuli. His condition has improved significantly since he began wearing purple Ireland filters. So that's, um, what talk- I had no idea. I, well, I had no idea. And I, actually, I don't even think, I, I don't know if it explains anything. But it's just interesting that a film that feels so visually simple, really, or, mm. and, and, and thus lacking, you know, is made by someone who's got an optical disorder. Mm. Um, I must say, you haven't seen Tyrannosaur, have you? No, his, I haven't. His, his previous film, I think that was his first feature. Which I've seen is a brilliant film, and uh, I mean that's not a controversial opinion. People mm. love that film, mm. and I think it's a better film than this, and you will too when you watch it. Mm. And visually, it's it's not a whole lot more interesting, but it is more interesting. Mm. Um, this is quite flat. There's, I mean, I, I, it was on my mind slightly, Tyrannosaur, because there is a there's a kind of central opposition between the two films. Whereas Tyrannosaur is all about finding love and tenderness in a really brutal world and situation. And there's there's a part of this film where it's the absolute opposite. When when he's first coming to terms, trying to cope with his uh, situation, and he's being... Uh, he, he kind of lashes out at his wife a couple of times. Mm. And it's incredibly shocking. Outbursts of violence. Mm. Nobody's expecting... I mean, and I think, it's, I think it's shocking in the best way. I think it's warranted. Mm. And it, it generates the right sort of emotional response in you. I don't think it feels cheap or anything. Mm. Um, but that's about kind of... It's such a... It's this, it's this beautiful world where everything's been going right. He's got this beautiful family. He's got this nice, clean house that they mm. barely even moved into. Um, and and brutality is making its way in now. But this is a very loving film. And actually, what I, what I did love very much about it is that um, the accent is on man feeling which I think is, you know, it's not as unusual as I sometimes make it out to seem. But actually, it is relatively unusual. Like, usually men do and women feel in cinema. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so uh, uh, to have this really be about a man in love and a man losing his love and a man afraid of what he's lost and a man who feels he can't recover it and thus, you know, is, yeah. And so the meaningfulness... Yeah. How, the meaningfulness 
of his relationships and his family, you know, to a man who, who cries for what he may have lost is very moving. Well, he's also reduced, and thinking about that crying, he's, he, he's reduced to uh, a mental state in which emotion is um, more foregrounded, I think, to him, and he expresses it more uh, readily. Mm. Again, like a child does. Mm. I mean, that's really his state of mm. a lot of the film. Um, so, you know, he, 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 he cries quite openly. I mean, this thing that uh, um, I saw Michael Caine talking about, um, how women will cry. This is talking about acting. Mm. Women will cry and men will do anything but cry. Yes. But in this, Paddy Constantine cries quite readily because he's not of a sort of state where he's trying to keep it in. Like, he, mm. he's... he's um, his mental state is, is much more open. Mm. And, it, and it is very, very moving, particularly the phone call he has with his wife. He's been estranged yeah. from for a little while now and they slightly reconnect on the phone and it's just, I miss you, I love you. And, and, he, and he's constantly trying to think of something else to say, which is a really touching thing that he, he, he says to himself, something else, something else, because he's just trying to keep her on the phone. Yes. Beautiful. It is. Really, really touching. I mean, actually, I think the writing in that is beautiful. And I think... Paddy Considine's performance in that is beautiful. It's great. Um, and I found it deeply, deeply moving. Um, so, so that's kind of the contradictions in this film, because there are moments like that where, you, you know, it, it works, uh, and it is kind of deeply touching. Um, and I also want to mention Jodie Whittaker, because she is, she is like... Um, she's such a positive force every time she appears on screen you feel a warmth I don't know Mm. how to describe it right she's got this kind of very warm and accessible presence you can see how she loves her and you can see why she's the kind of anchor uh, to his life uh, that he knows her to be Uh, so actually I think both of those performances in, in their own way are fantastic and they're fantastic together and they're the reason to see the film I think. I think the film suffers when she leaves. Yes. Because she, she's she's in the film for a third half and then she turns up again right at the end to reunite the family. For a, for the, a long time she's not in it. And this is when the film is on its emotional... I mean, it's, well, it's at the doldrums when she leaves. Um, but then it has its kind of emotional upswing when, when the friends get back involved and they basically get back into a training routine mm. to, to help him uh, win her back, I suppose. Um, yes. I think the film suffers for her not being there, and I think the film really actually lost me when it got into this friends coming back thing. Uh, it's that to me felt very easy. Who is not, it? Not, not not an easy decision to make for the for the storytelling, but I, I mean it it was executed in a way that seemed very easy. Yes, I mean basically the friends have all dumped him. He he's friendless. Right, and you could see that the wife is feeling a kind of anger and resentment, basically, because you can also imagine in a boxer's career, these acolytes have probably uh, coasted and benefited socially and financially and, you know, Mm. in all kinds of ways from just being near this guy. And then as soon as something happens, they're nowhere to be seen, right? So actually, the realms of anger and frustration and so on that you would expect to be there are really not there. I mean, you get a sense that they're slightly ashamed not to have seen him. I know. think that's exactly what it is. I, I don't think that the film is saying that these guys are purely hangers-on who dump him as soon as he's no longer sort of useful to him. That's not what they're saying. They are his friends. They are his friends. But 
they they don't know how to cope with this shift in him. There's that great scene where uh, Jodie Whittaker bumps into one of them at the, the hairdressers, yeah. and uh, and and Paddy Considine sat there in the car, um, and she and she basically says, like, "Why you know why haven't you been here? What's because she, she's his wife. She can't give him up, you know. Like, and she's been dealing with it, with with you know, sort of dignity and and love. Mm. Um, and she's saying, "Well, why the fuck haven't you?" Mm. And and he is ashamed. Now he knows he should be ashamed. And he, you know, he says, he says, um, "Can I go and say hi to him?" And she's like, "Of course he fucking can." Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's that thing of like, "Oh, how can I speak to a disabled person?" That men seem to have, I think. I don't know if actually it's maybe particularly a men thing. I don't know, but it's the way that that interaction was observed felt very honest to mm. me and very authentic. It happened so quickly after that that, that they come back together. Mm. That felt easy to me. Well, it is easy, and but nonetheless, I do think to me, kind of you know, some of the writing was very fine. I thought you know some of the performances you know, had moments that were just brilliant, you know, particularly Considine and particularly in that scene that you mentioned. So, you know, the writing and the acting are very good. I think the filmmaking as a whole is really kindergarten filmmaking. You know, it's yeah. just basically putting the actor on the frame. Nothing is being expressed through, you know, lighting, angles, a camera movement, cutting, right? Like really nothing. And the film has some almost like set pieces where you feel the lack, right? And the two main ones for me are the boxing scenes themselves and the suicide scene. I mean, mm. you know, that was pathetic. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. You know, uh, uh, that, that should have been a moment, right? And, and it should have been a visual moment. And, you know, you can see that basically he lacks the skills to kind of communicate it, kind of using the medium, really. So, so in that sense, I, th- I found the whole film disappointing. Yeah, I agree with that. Although I think the um, the, those those couple of moments of physical violence uh, t- towards his wife that, that that show up completely from out of nowhere and shock you, yes, um, are done well. And I think it's precisely because there's just no clue that's going to happen. Yes, and, and it, though it's perfectly understandable when it does. Yeah, right, exactly. But yeah, like, there's no yeah. kind of. But the, the filmmaking is not sort of. It's not ominous or anything like that. It's just showing you a scene yeah, yeah, quite yeah, plainly, yeah. and then oh my god, it changes. Well, and the other thing is the baby going missing. Scene. Yes, that was very tense. Unbelievably tense yeah. and harrowing. And, and, and yes, there is filmmaking technique in there, right? It is editing. It's it's. He's trying to watch TV. The baby screaming louder and louder. He turns the TV up, and you also see him to cut the uh, mum upstairs, Back hoovering, yeah. so she can't hear. So that is filming technique, building that tension. Yeah, it, I mean, I'm not saying it's revolutionary, but it is better than nothing. <laughs> it's worth. I think you see. I see that as the writing. I see. You know, it's it's written that way. It's then kind of filmed very basically. So let's agree that kind of those are wonderful scenes, and yeah. they're very tense. Right, and they really work. And as I said, I, I, I was deeply moved by several moments in the film, like really deeply, actually. It, it's really touching and affecting, you know. But in the context of, of this, I just think it's not a good enough film. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. It is not good enough. And I think actually towards the end of the film, when things start getting very happy-dappy, things are coming back together, I was, I, it really lost me. I, was, I, I thought this is... 
Yeah. Way too easy. I keep saying it's way too easy, but it is way too easy. It's just like the things start getting resolved very, very easily and quickly with these montages of training and working hard, and isn't it great? And I mean, it's almost, I mean, I don't know if the film is like consciously parodying like boxing, like training montages, because mm. that is the thing. Yes. You know, the training montage, this is, this is a boxing film, but the training is of a different sort and to a different mm. end. Mm. Um, nonetheless, it's kind of done with this, with this thrust of like, he's getting back to central normality, isn't it lovely? And, and and also the music was really heavy, heavy, heavy-handed. Yeah, the music was, was well, and to me that's another element. So you know, the music was like pretty basic, uh, and and used heavy-handedly, um, and you know that combined with all of the other elements that I spoke of earlier. I mean, it does seem to me to be um, you know not much of a film, though uh, quite. A moving experience, nonetheless. I mean, I'm sounding a bit contradictory in a way, right? I know what you mean. Um, but uh, but I mean, I, I it, it's an interesting film to see, and I kind of I would be very interested. Um, well, I'm very interested in, in in Paddy Considine as an actor, and you know, I think I'm very interested in him as a writer. Actually, you know, kind of as a filmmaker, I remain to be convinced. No, I agree. It's interesting because I think sometimes I think of films as being films that I admire without loving mm. you know I talk about uh, liking a film's technique or storytelling despite not having really been into it and this in a way is the other way around yes I don't think the filmmaking is very admirable but there is a lot to like in the film yes um, um, and I think it, it will probably stay with you a little bit yes okay well I think that's kind of the way I feel as well and that's a kind of a good a good verdict if you don't have to travel for miles to see it I would recommend no sure it. yeah I mean you know Still glad we did because we got to see that nice cinema. And Nottingham's quite nice, and you know, the experience. No, it was a, it was a nice day, and it was a nice experience to see it there. Yeah. You know, however, like the yeah, film it, was not. It's not a film that the is best worth part of the experience. Now, now that we know that, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we yeah we went to the National Video Game Arcade. Yes, which was great. That was great, and we the film was great, film, yeah. and you know, we had cocktails. So. Uh, a good day all around. Well, let's just be clear. You had a cocktail. I had a mocktail. I was driving. Right. Well, just in case know, any police officers are listening. Cocktails, mocktails. Psst. <laughs> it makes a difference. You had a nice drink. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's leave it here. We are on iTunes, Twitter, Facebook, eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Uh, do drop us a line. Uh, we... Uh, we love hearing from you, and actually, kind of, you know, one of the, one of the reasons why we're doing this is a, a kind of a hope to engender a dialogue on on these films. So please do feel free. Yeah, actually, um, as I as I said at the start, one of the, the reason that, that we saw this, the reason I even knew about Journeyman, was because um, one of our listeners and a friend of mine, Bob, uh, mentioned it. Uh, I'm just find where he, where he told me about it. He said. Uh, if you and that fella, meaning you, right. haven't seen Journeyman yet, you should. And if it doesn't move you both to tears, then I'll eat my Twitter feed. Well, it didn't move me to tears. Did it move you to tears? It it deeply affected me. I wouldn't. I didn't cry, but I I welled up. A bit. I I certainly felt some rumblings uh, yes. at at several points in the yes. film. But uh, no no point did I feel like I was gonna uh, burst. No, if it's not cartoons, you rarely do. <laughs> I just wanted, you know, I can't, I can't cry. I can't love a human. <laughs> Need to get your doll then. <laughs> a robot would be ideal. <laughs>
<laughs> if a robot learns to feel love, I will cry my eyes out. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Okay. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>